Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. So down in Florida, the state is melting down. Ron DeSantis is, was confronted by a reporter who asked him about these uh, seven children who are in the intensive care unit that's just in one hospital, the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital in Broward County, fighting for their lives in the ICU. What about these kids? And DeSantis said, and I quote, this has been a really negative thing throughout this whole thing with some of these, quote, experts, some of the media, somebody can contract a highly transmissible airborne virus and they're viewed as having done something wrong. That's just not the way you do it. End quote. In other words, word salad, right? It's like, you know, well, you know, kids are dying, Governor DeSantis, and you signed a law that says that you can't, that when we go back to school, we can't keep our kids safe from each other or keep our teachers safe for that matter or keep the kids safe from the teachers or vice versa. I mean, you know, whichever, whoever might have an infection. And everybody's like trying to figure out why would DeSantis do this? Why, you know, in Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, the governor, just yesterday held a press conference in which he said, you know, it was a mistake for us. I'm paraphrasing here, but you can find the exact quotes online. He said basically it was a mistake for us to have signed this uh, law uh, making it impossible to get, you know, to, to or making it illegal for teachers to require kids to wear masks. And he's, he's walking it back, but uh, DeSantis, oh no. Why? Well, it all has to do with this Republican brand identity that started in 1980 with Ronald Reagan. You could argue it started a little before that when Reagan ran for governor of California back in the uh, late 60s, or early 70s, whenever that was. And uh, I believe it was the early 70s. And, and Reagan's brand was basically uh, he called it rugged individualism, self-reliance, right? And, and you know, his, his brand was a smile and a cowboy hat and a horse. And, yeah, we're the ones who won the West, right? Uh, actually, winning the West, in quotes, was the largest, first of all, it involved the largest genocide in the history of the world, the, the genocide of Native Americans. Secondly, it wasn't, you know, self-reliant pioneers who did it. It was the U.S. Army 
third, it cost a damn fortune. Just the veterans' benefits for the for the veterans who had served in the Indian extermination wars was uh, you know about three billion dollars in today's money. It was 118 million for the people who served between 1893 and 1957, and that was to provide to steal land from Indians to provide homes for uh, you know house homesteads for 372,659 people. It was absurd. It was, it was the biggest of the big government programs, but somehow this is their mythology. And out of that mythology, they have, they have come up with this, uh, you know, this, this gauzy whitewashed history of America. And I'm, I'm writing about this at HartmanReport.com this morning. You can read the whole rant there complete with links. With this triumvirate of balanced budgets, personal responsibility, and small government. And balanced budgets, of course, is what the Republicans trot out every time the Democrats want to spend money to help individuals, to help people, to help in particular low-income people or working-class people. Oh, my God, we can't do that. You, I, I think we're all figuring out what the Republican philosophy is. When you give extra money to rich people, good things happen. They create jobs, don't you know? They're job creators, so we need to cut their taxes and give them billions of dollars in subsidies, whatever industry they're in. If it's defense, if it's oil, if it's coal, if it's gas, whatever it may be, just throw money at them. Rich people, they need more money. But if you give money to working class people, if you raise Social Security benefits, if you give money to poor people, oh my God, disasters are gonna happen. They're the moochers, don't you know? It's the criminal class. You can't do that. I mean, this is literally what they have been selling us since Reagan became president. Give money to rich people, they create jobs. Give money to poor people, you get a disaster. What's astonishing to me is that so many Americans have bought this for 40 years. I mean, the IRS estimates that the morbidly rich among us are hiding over a trillion dollars a year that they should be paying in taxes. That's criminal tax fraud. A trillion dollars a year. And the IRS is, can't, can't find them because the Republicans have cut the IRS budget to the point where they can't hire the kinds of auditors that are necessary to audit rich people. And so if you own a small business and you have a home office deduction, you're more likely to be audited than if you're Jeff Bezos or you know some other billionaire. And maintaining that level of subsidy for rich people takes away money that could be used for working class and, and poor people, which takes us to, that's balanced budgets, then that takes us to personal responsibility which is their shtick. You know, the old joke that uh, they used to tell on the Limbaugh show, what do you do for someone when they're down? You kick them, otherwise they'll never get up. Right, this is, this is their philosophy. You don't help people, you, you hurt people, and that, and that hurting them will cause them to, to somehow stand up on their own two feet. And, you know, this is, this is the old trope that white supremacists have been using forever to explain why people who are the victims of structural racism in our educational system, our housing system, our legal system, uh, you know, why they're, why they're having a tough time hitting the American dream. This, uh, you know, it, it also, by the way, gives them a convenient out to ignore the plight of even poor white people like in Appalachia. 
personal responsibility. Actually, if, if it's all about personal responsibility, then we don't need to do anything about homelessness. We don't need to do anything about, uh, you know, any of these folks who are in trouble, right? Because, hey, they're responsible. Healthcare, that's not our job, but it's personal responsibility. Do your, own, do your own appendectomy. You can do it at home. And then, you know, the size of government, big government, right? Government spending is about 14% of GDP in the United States. It's 25% of GDP in Sweden. I, Sweden is a democracy. I, I, I am not hearing Swedish elected officials saying, gee, we need, to, we need to cut the size of our government. Let's do away with our national health care program. Let's not subsidize, you know, college for our students any longer. You're not hearing it. I mean, yeah, there's some fringe crackpots who are saying that, but... But this is what DeSantis is doing, is he's, he's, he's pushing this whole, this whole shtick, this whole classic Republican, Reagan, sloganeering, personal responsibility, rugged individualism BS. And, uh, you know, so, hey, you know, if you can't defend yourself against a virus, what are you, some kind of wimp wearing a mask? This is their pitch. Ted Cruz single-handedly in the United States Senate. I mean, what is wrong with this, right? Ted Cruz single-handedly blocked even a discussion about the For the People Act. Help guarantee the people have the right to vote. These people don't like democracy. They don't want democracy. They want oligarchy. They want the billionaires who own them to be the only power in this country. They hate and fear we the people. It's just that simple. Nancy in Minneapolis. Hey, Nancy, thanks for listening to KTNF. What's up? So I'm a nurse in uh, Minneapolis in a hospital with COVID. So I've been living with this in the belly of the beast for over a year and a half. And I get so irritated with Florida and all these other states that aren't following. But it's, there's a law. We have a public health law. And one section that really stuck out to me was, uh, so it's Title 42, Section 70.2, which is titled Measures in the Event of Inadequate Local Control. And it's saying that states need to have control over this pandemic. Otherwise, the CDC can say this needs to stop. So we need to follow the law. And I would like to so, see... So, Nancy, if I, like just, to, just to, so I clearly understand what you're saying. You're saying that there's a federal law that says that if a state fails to protect their citizens in a public health emergency, yep. the federal government can step in. Is that the essence of what the you're saying? CD, yes, okay. that's right. The CDC can take over. And I think that Florida should be quarantined. I think we need to border that place off and say nobody goes in except for essential supplies and nobody gets out. And you will hear places like Disney screaming like a scorched cat mm -hmm. as soon as you start doing that. So you got to hit the commerce. But I'm not a lawyer. There are penalties, though 
for for allowing a pandemic just to go on and on. Yeah. And we've got to follow the law. Not to mention the penalty of dead children and adults all across the country. Exactly. Yeah. Nancy, thank yeah. you. That and was that was brilliant. I, I, I appreciate thank your you. feedback and I, I I really appreciate the information. Tess in Denver. Hey Tess, we have a little more than a minute left. What's in this hour? What's up? Yeah. Hey, um I just I, to echo what the previous caller was saying like what is what what are the penalties you know like where at what point is it criminal for people in positions of authority and power we know how much people are are just just believe people who are in positions of authority look at the milgram experiment we know that like you know so so at what point does it become you know it is their negligence and their uh, to their lies and their, their misinformation that is literally killing people at what point is that criminal or is that are there repercussions i mean i know i, don't, I didn't think I, I wasn't in the impression that free speech meant we could you know um view lies and manipulate people in ways that threaten their life i didn't know that that's what they meant by free speech when they wrote the constitution so i'm just confused about <laughs> Yeah, well, Tess, it's, you know, a lot's going to depend on local prosecutors or on people who are the victims of this. I mean, you know, the whole libertarian ideology is you can solve all problems with the courts. Well, somebody whose kid died of COVID in Florida or Texas needs to be suing the governor of those states for wrongful death. And, And if a prosecutor wants to pick it up and add a criminal charge to it, you know, good on them. Has any of that happened yet? Have Not you to seen the best of my knowledge. Anywhere? Not to the okay, best of my knowledge. And I think that there are yeah, 400,000 Americans who, have, who should have the ability to sue Donald Trump for that. Although there is this thing called sovereign immunity, which makes it damn near impossible to sue a public official. But, you know, there have to be reasonable limits to that. Tess, thank you for the call. I, I share your outrage and, and you, you expressed it very, very well. Thank you so much for the call. Steve in Los Angeles. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, Tom, um, what you say is 100 percent correct. It's clearly a class war. It's always has been a class war. Um, anyone who's read Chomsky can, knows already that the important thing is that the government is in the way of big businesses ability to totally control everything. Yep. Only the government is big enough and, and powerful enough to counter them. So yep. by controlling the government or minimizing the government, it clears the, the field for them to do what they want to do. My problem with all of this is why the Democrats, which is supposedly supposed to be the party of the working man, party of the poor, why haven't they countered this? Why have they allowed this to go on for 40 or 50 years, like you say? Uh, we're basically unrepresented yep. as long as the Democrats are run by these uh, By the same, same forces, the same people. Here's, here's what happened, Steve. Um, you know, Reagan became the champion for this in 1980. And at that point in time, you know, Jimmy Carter was flirting with neoliberalism. But by and large, the Democratic Party was still the party of organized labor. A third of America had good union jobs. And that was the principal source of funding for the Democratic Party. Eight years later, or really 12 years later, by the end of the Reagan and Bush administrations, union membership in America had gone from about a third down to around 10 percent, 10 or 11 percent. It had collapsed. And along with it had, had collapsed the funding for the Democratic Party. At the same time, the oil shock had worn off by 1982. We had 11.5 percent inflation in 1981, and it was down to 3 percent in 1982. Now, the reason for that was because the Arab oil embargo of 1973-74, that is what produced that, that eight years of inflation. 
And by that time, by 82, it had kind of wrung itself out of the economy. And, but Reagan got the credit for that. And so all these neoliberal policies of free trade and gutting unions and ending welfare as we know it and tough on crime policing, all those, those you know, Republican and neoliberal policies were actually very popular in the late 80s. And so when Bill Clinton came along in 92, he just adopted them. The Democratic Party got in bed basically with the same billionaires, not necessarily the same because the Democrats wanted to be with clean industry like tech, you know, and banking and insurance and, and leave the poison industries, you know, steel and chemicals and pesticides and, and, and weapons manufacturing, leave that to the Republicans. That was the, the equation that they made in the 90s. So, you know, we had a, a decade and a half or so or two decades where the Democratic Party was as em tightly embracing neoliberalism as were the Republicans. And Joe Biden is the first Democratic president since Jimmy Carter to reject neoliberalism. And so we're in the process, the Democratic Party, of walking back from that, from that poison, you know, not drinking that poison anymore, not drinking that Kool-Aid anymore. But we still have people like, you know, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema who are, who are there, who are taking money from the right, same they're, people. Right, they're holdovers, but that is the only chance we have is for people people i mean biden is basically a moderate himself but hopefully he's seen the, the importance of giving the the progressives more um, power because that's really the only thing that can combat the the corporatists and and the big business and the republicans have always been more organized better organized and, and they're great at executing their plans because they, they're desperate they need to be they know they're a minority and they know they need to be better the democrats need to counter that and put their um, numbers to work because that's yeah. what our advantage is. We I, have I more agree. people than they I, do. I agree, and I and I think that the other advantage Republicans have is that they, the the Republican Party, as conser as is the case with conservative parties all over the world, um, is more attractive to people who are authoritarian followers which is about 20% of any population. People just, they, 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 they are perfectly willing, in fact, they're anxious to surrender their personal will and power to an authority figure. And that's why the old saying, Republicans fall, you know, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. And, uh, yeah. Democrats need better PR. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Steve, I gotta move along, but thank you for the call. You said it very, very well. Arthur in Chicago. Hey, Arthur, what's on your mind? In California, they're talking about uh, recalling Governor Newsom, right? Which I think is so ludicrous. It's the Republican, probably based antics. Oh, I mean, there's a reason for this too, Arthur. The the reason is uh, Diane Feinstein, who's 88 years old, and if wow. anything happens to yeah, her, she gets old. replaced by the governor. If they can put a Republican in that governor's seat, that's probably the main reason why they're focused on this. Okay, okay. Now I understand more. Foot. I didn't realize she's that old. Yeah. I know she was up there, but wow. She's pushing 90. Wow. And she's losing it. I'll just say that right yeah. up front. I, I, I think she yeah. should have resigned. I think she should resign today. I think, there's a like, lot, I think there's a lot of them in Washington, D.C. that need to resign, that yeah. are losing it, or have already lost it. But I'm, my, my question is, Tom, if you know anything about this, in Florida and in Texas, why aren't there Democrats? Why aren't there people who are grieving for the loss of their of their loved ones because of misinformation and the continual misinformation by these governors. Why isn't there a recall? What is the recall process in those states to, to put some heat under these guys instead of letting them just 
talk all this nonsense every time. That's a damn good question, Arthur. I don't know the answer to that. I, you know, the California recall process, of course, we're all familiar with because we saw it with Gray Davis. That's how we got Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, again, you know, was pushing out a Democrat and bringing in a Republican. And they did it the same way that they're expecting to do this one with with Gavin Newsom, which is that, you know, the recall election is a special election. So only the really animated partisans will show up. You know, which and and the most recent uh, polling shows that Newsom probably will be recalled, uh, just because Demo- and not because you know the majority of Californians want him out, but because the majority of Californians are not going to bother elect you know showing up for a special election that only you know foaming at the mouth Republicans care about. Um, but you know uh, what the what the system is for initiating a recall in uh, Texas and Florida. I don't know. That would depend on the state constitution and the state laws. And uh, but you raise an, a fascinating question, and hopefully somebody who lives in Florida or Texas or somebody who knows the laws of those states. And my apologies, Arthur, that I don't. Uh, will call in yeah. and inform us. And if not, at the end of the day today, when I get off the air, I'll look it up and I'll report back to you tomorrow. Arthur, thank you. That was a brilliant question. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Bill Crystal said that uh, the cons- uh, Trumpers and the conservative movement are the hippies of the conservative movement. And another thing George Will said, he said that uh, Republican politicians not only fear their voters, they don't like them. Now, all of that seems counterintuitive, but not if... If you think about something I said one time, I said that the Magna Carta is the same as critical race theory. Why did I say that? Well, the Magna Carta is considered a great document now, but back then they hated it. There were there were British nobles that were used to a feudal system. They were like, what? My, 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 all the rights come from me. That's why when Donald Trump was president, he, they kept saying that so-and-so serves at the pleasure of the president. Look, democracy and representative government have not worked for George Will and the billionaire Republicans, it has not worked for the poor ones. So what they're trying to do is mix uh, uh, patriarchy, feudalism, and actually um, patriarchy, feudalism, and uh, uh, man, the other ones. Get, but the bottom line is they're all reverting back to that. But yeah. it's not going to work. The lords of the manor are going to be fascist. And the reason why I say that is because they're trying to align everything instead of a bloodline. They're trying to align it with corporate interests, the yeah. tribe, the tribalism. The tribe is corporate. Right. And, and, they, and, they, and, and they always have been. I mean, you know, this, this has always been the case. Dave, thank you. Jeff in Spanaway, Washington. Hey, Jeff, what's up? Hey, I just wanted to tell you, I, I was so proud. I, I talked to my kid here and uh, I'm an IB, proud IBEW member. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boy just got into he's been in the Boilers Maker Union now for a little bit and one thing he said was uh, to me we were talking and a lot of your talking points he says uh, yeah well we have separation of church and state in the constitution shouldn't we have the separation of sounds like we should have the separation of corporation and state there were a number of founders who actually argued for that yeah, they used to call it bribery, right? Yes, exactly. And now it's called free speech, corporate free speech. Your kid I is love, brilliant, Jeff. I know it. I know it. I love him. Okay. Hey, and, and I love your show. Take care, Tom. Thank you. Thank you so much for the call. Mike in Bailey, Colorado. Hey, Mike, what's up? Mesa County, Colorado. Our Secretary of State has reported that their passwords for their voting machines have been posted on a conservative website. I know. They, I know. <laughs> and they it's, don't know if it's inside job or if they got hacked, but they are investigating it. And another right. thing, 
a friend of mine just let me know his 27-year-old son died from this damn COVID. Oh, man. That is that is so unfortunate. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, this, you know, this stuff's touching us all. I'm yeah. sorry. It yeah. is. Yeah, this is a terrible, terrible disease. Mike, uh, thanks a lot for that, and thanks for the uh, for the update on uh, on Colorado. I've been following that story, and and uh, it's going to be real interesting to see what they're going to have to do about that. I, presumably, well, they're just going to change the passwords. But it's going to give the repubs here another swing at going after the Dominion voting machines. They're they're right. already. I can see it ramping up right now. Yeah. Well, that was that was what pre- precipitated it. Was there was some Republican who was who was uh, you know some conspiracy nut who was going on and on about this and they and the screenshot of what they did, as I recall, included uh, uh, the because uh, it was they were on the the tabulator computer, if I'm remembering correctly, and the screenshot had the password on it and. That, mm-hmm. And that was the point at which, and and you know, the screenshot was purported to prove how easy it is to hack these machines and get into the, you know, which it didn't do at all. I mean, they they didn't succeed in making their point, but they did succeed in putting the password out for the world. And I, it's just like the crazy people in 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 uh, excuse me in Arizona. I mean, it's just it's it's nuts that the 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 state senate required Maricopa County to turn over the voting machines. To, to this cyber ninja guy, this one guy who's got this little company that operates out of a post office box in, in Florida, and and uh, now they can't use those machines anymore. And, hey, and look at Ivanka Trump's uh, patents in China. One was for voting machines. I know. Actually, more than one was for voting machines. Yes, you're right, which is very strange. Very strange. Yeah. Mike, thank you for the call. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ted in Sacramento, California. Hey, Ted, what's on your mind today? Hey, I had a couple things. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. But why is it when you try to have a discussion 
All they want to do is yell and scream over you and threaten you with violence. The Constipation Party. Oh, you mean, are you trying to call into right wing talk radio and getting hung up on? Is that the deal, Ted? Every time. Huh. They, they don't Every even want to. If you say. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say what I know as a talk show host, right? You know, I mean, this is actually a business and, a, and, a, and an art form or whatever you want to call it, that um, if I can engage in a debate with someone, not only is that like a good thing for my show, because people, you know, people slow down for fistfights and car wrecks. People, you know, want some some entertainment and some conflict, but it also highlights the issues. It helps me get my point across more effectively than just you know, droning on about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's far more dynamic. And so I would think that every right-wing talk host in America would be praying that liberals would be calling in so they could debate with them. No, as soon as you debate, or as soon as you bring up something that they just said, like I was talking to, can I say the radio show? Sure. It was Will Cow, yeah. and he was going on about how you had to show your ID or your vaccine passport to buy a cup of coffee, and I said, where is this? Because I've never encountered that. Mm-hmm. And I'm a truck driver. I go pretty much the 11 Western, and nobody has asked me for my vaccine card anywhere. Right. I have it. If you ask me to wear a mask, that's what you want. Okay. Now, why are they so against that? But they were so pro that baker in Colorado that wouldn't bake a cake for a gay couple because it was against his beliefs. I think it's kind of the same logic, which is, you know, my right to be a bigot uh, supersedes your right to have a decent society from their point of view. Let's let's look at the hypocrisy of that. I think it's pretty clear right on the surface, isn't it, Ted? (laughs) I think it is. Yeah. And then I'd like to say one more thing. Sure, go for it. If I could. I don't think Donald Trump will ever see a day in jail because of our symbol of justice. It's a blindfolded statue holding cold scale, and we've been led to believe that uh, justice is blind and fair. What that tells me is justice is blind because it doesn't want to see who's putting the gold in the scale, and whoever puts the most gold in that scale tips it in their favor. Yeah. Sadly, I you know without going into the to the pros or cons of that metaphor or analogy, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's extremely unlikely that Donald Trump will go to jail. I, he has the uh, resources to drag things out for years in our court system, which is what he has done literally his whole entire life. And I mean, he, he, he didn't want to pay $300 million back to the Deutsche Bank, so he sued them and they said, okay, you don't have to pay us. I mean, it's like, he, I mean, there, are, there are still people from the 90s who he didn't pay when they were doing work on his, on his casinos, and they're still trying to bill him, and he's still, you know, stringing them along. So, and, and if things get really bad, he's just going to hop on a plane to some other country. Uh, you know, uh, you Trust know. me, I have, a, I have a friend up in Washington that did some work on the uh, Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. He, did, he did a whole bunch of uh, neon signs for him. Yeah. He got a letter saying how great it was. Then he asked for payment, and they said, basically, sorry, not going to do it because your work was substandard. Yeah, and that's... And he's got those in his office. One says, great job. The other says, we're not going to pay you because it was substandard. Yeah, that was standard operating pra- practice for the Trump organization was to, to screw everybody that they worked with. And, and 
you know, and, and sadly, there was always, you know, somebody else in line who was willing to, to maybe I'll be the one that he'll actually pay. Um, but uh, and, and just talk to any New Yorker. My best friend is a New Yorker and, and uh, they know who Donald Trump is. They've always known who Donald Trump is. That's why Donald Trump didn't win New York. And you would think, you know, it's his home state, right? It's, you're supposed to win your home state. No, not a chance. So here's, here's the bottom line. Trump don't pay his bills. Yeah, never did, never will. Ted, and, and now he's not paying Rudy Giuliani, and poor Rudy is broke. I mean, you know, this is just nuts. Ted, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Mike in Millbridge, Maine. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Uh, I'd like to uh, talk about um, the uh, accountability of the uh, voter suppression that's going on in uh, southern states. Uh, they're enacting... Um, voter suppression to the point where no Democrat is going to be able to win an election. And I think that um, pretty much uh, from what everything I'm hearing, um, people are living in their own reality in complete den and denial of what's actually going on, which is the uh, corporations and billionaires are conducting a coup d'etat against this country to turn it into a complete uh, oligarchy without constitutional law. And they're using the Republican Party as their frontline uh, military in, in that effect. You're singing my because, song, though. Yeah, 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 I've heard you talk about this. Uh, yeah, because basically what's going to happen is uh, they are circling the wagons, and they're going to uh, link their states together. And uh, with the midterms coming up, they could add more um, uh, Republicans to the Senate and take back the House and then perhaps open things up in 24 for Trump. Right. And, or somebody uh, like him. I, I, I don't think that Trump like is a major threat in 2024. But Josh Hawley, Rick Scott, Ted Cruz, uh, uh, Rick, uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, you've got a number of Republicans who are all, you know, heavily, shall we say, fascist leaning and all yeah. smarter and more competent politicians than Donald Trump. And they're all deeply in the pockets of the right wing fossil fuel billionaires. And Trump is not any longer. So I think that's where the real threat is. But, uh, Mike, I, you nailed it. And this is the this is the existential threat that America faces. And we've got to We've yeah. got to act. You know, we've got to own up to it. We've got to face it. We got to take it on. And that involves ending the filibuster and passing some legislation to guarantee the right to vote. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. I mean, Brian Kemp as Secretary of State threw 2 million people off the voting rolls in Georgia and then won an election by 50,000 votes. That's how they do it. Edward in Sierra Madre, California. Hey, Edward, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thanks for the opportunity to talk to you. Tom, I'm going to link up rudeness with the breakdown. And not only our educational system, you know, our publicly funded schools, but also with, you know, c connecting that to people seeking information and news from social media and, and the increase of Fox and its stepchildren like Newsmax. We have a dumbing down of society. And when people are low-information individuals and they don't have, you know, a foundation of truth to build on, 
they get threatened and mm. they become rude. And then you have the Newtons, I think it's his third law, you get the, the reaction for the action, mm-hmm. which is they're rude to someone like yourself or someone like me. And then we, you know, we curse or we, you know, your, your, your blood coagulates because you're so angry. But I, I, I look back to the Reagan presidency, like I heard you say earlier, and you could just see a slow moving disinformation campaign and just society just accepting, you know, this. Oh, yeah. uh, Trickle-down economics. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we bought it lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, and Tom, if I can just shout out to all the voters in California, you need to get up, get out, and get this done. And do not allow Gavin Newsom to be recalled, or we're in big trouble. There's trouble yeah. in River City, Tom. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They They want a Republican governor so bad, and the minute they get one, the next step is to going to be to drive Diane Feinstein out of office if she doesn't drive herself out of office. Um, it's, and, and, the playbook and, is there. Yeah, they, and, they've they've shown us. Yep, and we yeah we saw it with Gray Davis and 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 uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, absolutely. absolutely, Edward. Thank you for the call. It's good to hear from you. Thank you, Tom. Take yep. care. Yep, uh, Joanne in Seattle. Hey, Joanne, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I was just wondering what your thoughts might be on a national advertising campaign um, regarding vaccinations, maybe telling the statistics of what has gone on with the vaccinations, what hasn't gone on, and showing a slideshow of children on ventilators. Yeah. I... uh, well, that's what's happening right now, Joanne. I mean, it's called the news. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're, we're actually, we're seeing that. And I think that, you know, we just, uh, the uh, CNN was reporting about an hour ago that um, the, either yesterday or last week, I forget whether these are, I think they're daily numbers. Uh, we hit a half a million vaccines delivered in whatever that period of time is. I'm pretty sure it was a day. And uh, that's the highest we've seen in months you know, since like May or June. And mm-hmm, that's and, great. And yeah, and it's because the news is reporting that young people are dying and, you know, people in their, uh, you know, uh, adults of uh, parents of children and adults in their 20s, 30s and 40s who all thought that they were immune, that this was the boomer remover, uh, are now realizing that uh, the Delta variant is like a whole brand new disease and you are not immune to it. Even if you've had COVID before, you're not immune to it. And so they're going, well, maybe I should get vaccinated. Joanne, thank you for the call. Uh, you know, I think it's a good idea that, you know, we'd be, you know, probably the ad council putting together PSAs like this. Dan in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, Tom, how are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Mitch McConnell came out and said that he was in favor of this bipartisan deal. I think that that's a flag to the Republicans in the House to vote for the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, overcome the progressives that are going to stand in the way of it, so thus making the progressives look like the bad guys again, and then they can use that to kill the $3.5 uh, trillion plan um, 
I blow it out of the water. Even uh, like I feel like Cinema and Mansion are already doing that right now. They already said they're not going to support the three point five trillion. Um, so I think that this is all like I'm seeing everything line up. Like every other time, progressives are kind of uh, shoved under a bus for the Democratic Party. So I think that they're going to be like, well, we need to put something. We need to put something through. Nancy's going to come out and be like, we need to put something through. They're yeah. going to vote for the bipartisan deal. The progressives are going to you know stand their ground like they should. They're going to get that amount of people on the right to vote for this infrastructure deal. That's my guess, and that's not going to matter. I agree, Dan, that that's their strategy. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, it'll give them a scalp, as it were. It'll give them something. I guess that's a terrible racist metaphor. It'll give them, my apologies, it'll give them something that they can take back to their, to their voters and say, see, we're working for you. And, and and all that sort of thing. And they can use it as a, to, to sabotage the $3.5 trillion bill. That said, if the Progressive Caucus holds firm, I'm guessing that there's not, I mean, you know, you had a minority of Republicans in the Senate vote for this. If a minority of Republicans in the House vote for it, then the Progressive Caucus, if they hold firm, there's 100 members, more or less, to the Progressive Caucus, they will be able to force this. On the other hand, if you get a majority of Republicans in the House, then all bets are off. So, you know, what we're watching here is a very fascinating game of uh, three-dimensional chess, and, and we're gonna, it's going to be playing out right in front of us. But, Dan, I'm not discounting your scenario at all. I think you're onto something. Ed in Chicago. Hey, Ed, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? No, Tom, I got a question for you, kind of bookends with your guest from a little bit ago. My question is, do you think anybody in the top Democratic Party leadership will start using legitimate fear as a motivator to get out the base for 2022? And Republicans are always using fear to gin up their base to get them to show up to vote. But for some reason, the Democratic Party have always... I, I guess I just I go back to my question. I don't see them using legitimate fear as a motivator. And I think, you know, we've gone from Lafayette Square to January 6th to states now making passing laws to overturn elections. Um, I, I, I think it's really time for the, the Democratic Party to start raising the, you know, raising the flags, uh, getting people out there uh, and by using fear as a motivator. We are. I mean, those of us who listen to you, I mean, we're talking to the base here. We know how close we are to losing our democracy. But I, I don't see anybody in the top leadership of the Democratic Party. Um, I'm hearing Joe Biden talk that. like this, uh, uh, Eric. Uh, excuse me, uh, Ed. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of Democrats, you know, pretty flipped out about it. And, and Schumer made a big point yesterday about how the first thing they're going to do when they come back in September is put voting legislation front and center. I'm guessing that he's got, you know, a majority of his caucus willing to go along with a carve out into the into the uh, filibuster in order to allow for at least a, a slimmed down voting rights bill that will block a lot of these Republican efforts. Yeah, I guess. Well, I, I guess maybe it's just me then, because I'm I'm just thinking when I when I when I, I see people on on the you know the talk show circuit on the Sunday morning shows and stuff, I don't I, I don't get the sense of urgency from them. And my mm. my main concern is what is getting people to show up for 2022. Right. Um, 
Right. And that's so anyway, but I like well, and that, and that raises another there. question, Ed, just, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on how you think this is going to play out. I, I'm beginning to think, I mean, that uh, in Texas and Florida and Georgia and states like this where they're passing these voter suppression laws, that the press has been, I mean, in prior elections, when Republicans passed laws like this or like, you know, when Brian Kemp purged over a million people from the voting poll rolls in Georgia just in time for his election against Stacey Abrams, which he won by only 50,000 votes, or when, uh, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis' Republican Party purged uh, over two million votes in Florida in the, in the couple of years leading up to that election that he won by 34,000 votes. Um, I'm beginning to think that people in those states because it's been just front and center in the news every day, calling it voter suppression. It used to be called, well, voter integrity or cleaning up the rolls. or clean. I mean, we had all these euphemisms that the Republicans used that the media went along with. The media's not going along with those euphemisms anymore. And I'm thinking that, and I'm, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm guessing that the Democratic Party is betting on this, that enough people are going to be seriously pissed off that you're going to have massive voter turnout for the 2022 election. Let's see. Well, they, um, that's my hope. But um, my, my hope is that the Democrats, instead of uh, assuming that that's going to be the case, will create that case and, yeah. and legitimately so. I'm with you. That's that. And that, I, I guess I just leave it at that. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's the old saying? Never assume it makes an ass of you and me. It's true. Uh, Ed, thank you for the call. It's. Uh, you know, we can't just live on a hope and a dream. We've, we've got to fight for what's right. Jose in uh, Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Jose, what's up? Hey, well, I was just watching the show, and I was going to comment on the gentleman that made the statement that education is despicable behavior in, in uh, Florida and Texas. But the reality has been and for a long time. But why would the elite want an actually educated proletariat or working class why would they want them to understand the trends and the movement of history because you know that would give them something to think about good point no way they want education to work yeah it's they they just want a bunch of dummies that show up to work and cash their paycheck and go back next week you know, excellent uh, points, Jose. And I think that, that, that a lot of that you can find back, you know, when Bill Bennett was uh, running the education department under Reagan and they started not just dialing back on civics in schools or eliminating civics in public schools across America. Um, thus, we have, you know, two basically uh, politically uh, and history of America illiterate generations as a consequence. Um, but also just dialing back on funding for schools. Uh, you know, we, we stopped yeah. building new schools in the 80s. I mean, you know, we didn't have the money anymore. You, you drop your top tax rate from 74% down to 25% and impose austerity. You're, you're just not, and that's why everybody's talking about infrastructure right now. We've had 40 years where we, you know, the entire burden of infrastructure, repairing roads and everything else has been on the states. And the, and the federal government, outside of the little bit, you know, the piddling money from the highway uh, or the gas tax, you know, um, you know, everything else has just been dumped on the states. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right. Thank you very much for the call. You know, I, uh, I, I started writing children's books that promotes civic education for mm -hmm. little bitty kids. The idea of democracy and voting. I just came out with one. Unfortunately, COVID kind of shot me in the knees on that. But yeah, uh, is there you know, a website where people can find those? Jose? 
Uh, I have a website. It's called Dove and Flight Press. You want to spell it? And uh, D-O-V-I-N-F-L-I-G-H-T dot press. Got it. Okay, Jose, I hope it, I hope you know you get some hits. Thank you very much for the call. Lewis in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Lewis, what's on your mind? With Republicans like DeSantis and Greg Abbott banning mass mandate and Republicans spreading disinformation on vaccines, how can we get uh, Democrats to get up there in unison, right, and start, and start saying the Republicans are trying to kill our kids? You know, they're trying, to, they're trying to infect our kids with COVID. Like, how, how can we convince? Do you think you can, like... You I can think people are just Rokana watching the news and going, holy cow, this is, this is uh, not right. Yeah, but they're not doing it. Like, do you think that if you talk to Ro Khanna, that, they can, that he can convince them to, to start saying it, like, over and over in the news and make that their next talking point to get, like, to put Republicans on the defensive? Yeah, it's a good suggestion. Uh, he's he's not on the show tomorrow. Oh, he is. Oh, he'll be with us tomorrow. He, you know, so maybe somebody will ask him. Uh, I'm sure the topic will come up. Uh, Lewis, thank you for that. Michael in Fresno, California. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind today? Uh, I, I I like to know why uh, that they don't call these uh, governors and everything. They're causing all these deaths, and they're known that are. What's the difference between the, uh, the fascist Nazis and Germany, where they're doing the same thing, what they're doing to the people in this country, but they're all our own citizens? Well, there is, there's a big difference, Michael. What, you know, what the Nazis did was identify specific groups of people, Jews, gays, uh, socialists. <laughs> you know, they identified specific groups of people for extermination. Um, I don't think that you can draw a comparison to what, you know, Abbott and and DeSantis are doing. They're, they're going after the public schools. Um, you've got all kinds, I mean, every pediatric hospital in Texas and Florida right now is overwhelmed with children with COVID. And right. they're trying to say, no, you can't wear masks in school, which will prevent the transmission of COVID. It's just that simple. I mean, you know, it's a, it, 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 nobody is stupid enough to say, I'm going to go to the hospital, but I don't want the surgeon to wear a mask when he operates on me, right? Nobody's right. that stupid. Um, but they're, there are apparently people who think that kids who can spread COVID to each other and then take it home and, and whack their parents with it or whack people who are immune compromised or can't even get a vaccine. Uh, you know, apparently, the, you know, that kind of stupid lives in Florida and Texas. And yeah, uh, but I don't I don't think it's going to last. I think that I, I think both these governors are going to have to give in and say, you know, if our schools want to have all the kids wear masks in order to protect each other and to protect the teachers. We're going to go along with it. I mean, K. Yeah. Ivy has done that, by the way, in what is it, Alabama? Yes. Yeah. So K. I, you know, and she's a Republican governor, and she said, "Oh, you know, that was a terrible mistake. Uh, you know, shouldn't have done that." And right. Uh, so I, it's just the question is when. You know, when are they going to when are they going to back off from this? I don't know the answer. Michael, thank you for the call. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes 
into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Brian in Shreesport, Louisiana. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? I'm tired of hearing how confused uh, Americans are when they call into the radio show, radio show and they're saying, oh, why are these people like this? Why are these people not getting vaccinated? And I think the answer is uh, really in, in our history, and that is understanding Confederate culture. Confederate culture says, look, whatever those Yankees say, we're not going to do. Hmm. And the modern, the modern Yankees today would be your Democrats or your liberals, and those be your, you know, with the N word, they would call you your, your N lovers. That's that's all too. They're just whatever we say. If the uh, Democrats say left, they're gonna say right because they're Republicans. But uh, they're slash a huge part of that party is slash Confederate in their mindset. That's why they were okay with the evil and cruel things that Trump did, like separating families, taking children away from their parents. That goes back to slavery. That's nothing new there. Yeah. They, they, they just shrugged their shoulder and probably giggle about it. Yeah. And so now you got uh, over and over again. Now they're like anti-vax, but it's like you're saying, I think in the long run, it's going to affect them in a big way if their children start to actually uh, suffer yeah. behind uh, the yeah, choices. So far, they, they had been uh, lucky is not the right word, but... Uh, the fact that it was only killing older people had been something that allowed them to minimize it. Now that it's killing children and young people, healthy young people, I think the whole equation changes. And I think DeSantis and, and uh, Abbott are behind the curve on this. We'll see them. Brian, thank you. TJ in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, TJ, what's on your mind today? Well, Ron DeSantis was here in Jacksonville today and... Uh, you know, released a little press release or, or something about um, he's going to offer mobile, um, uh, what do you call them? Vaccination? Monoclonal treatments oh, for COVID-19 the... patients. Right. Okay. So yeah. he's going to have a little a little van, you know, like one of those blood, collect, blood mobiles mm -hmm. that's going to show up for COVID patients. And then he'll put them on the bus, and uh, they'll they'll give him the IV. That's yeah. his, what he says he's going to do. Well, first of all, that I that the that treatment is only emergency use, emergency use only. Right. It is not for severe COVID patients. Correct. Okay. So right, what then you it's too have late. then. But right, but it also what you have is you have to have a the in order to qualify, the page, the person has to number one already have been tested and found to be infected, right. and number two, either be um, mildly 
or uh, uh, mild or moderate symptoms of COVID. Well, <laughs> okay, fine. So put them on the bus, give them the treatment, give them the IV, and then what? Send them home? Well, yeah. I mean, apparently this works. I mean, it's what Donald Trump did. It's what Chris Christie did. It's what Rudy it Giuliani did. It saved all their lives. It, so, yeah, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not a. It's not a magic bullet. Well, it, it's, it's words, very effective. Person, but here's the thing, TJ. You had thirty-two thousand eight hundred new cases in Florida yesterday, diagnosed. Right. Which means you probably had twice as many cases because that those were the people that were sick enough to show up and say, "I feel terrible. Tell me what I've got." Right. Um, right. And, and we know right. that, you know, a, a significant percentage, probably somewhere between 20 and 50 percent of people who get this disease don't even know that they have it or they think they've got a cold. So. Right. So, uh, you know, you've got if you're going to do mobile buses with monoclonal antibodies, which is a half hour. Oh, he's to only going to do one. He's got one bus. <laughs> he just he showed up and say in Jacksonville with one bus. And, <laughs> no. and you got 32,000 people a day who are sick enough that they're showing. That's what I'm saying is that this is not even he's he's it's it's a typical. We're not really going to do anything, but it sounds good, doesn't it? Why doesn't why doesn't he show up if he's going to send buses into 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 communities, into neighborhoods? Why doesn't he send buses with vaccines? Good idea. But no, that's not what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. Also. <laughs> I want to remind you something. I know you know everything about St. Saint, Saint Reagan, um, but Ronald Reagan is who turned medicine into a business. Ronald Reagan said, we're going to let the doctors and the medical people do what they do best, and we're going to send business people in to take care of the business end of medicine. Oh, and geez. that's when medicine became for-profit. Greed is good. There this you go. TJ, we're Tom out of time. Hartman program. Carl in Napa, California. Hey, Carl, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. So my question is this. As I hear your callers talk about national corporate, multinational corporations, and I work for a multinational corporation. Separately, I'm also a licensed clinical psychologist. Separately, I'm also a vet. Since I was a vet, I haven't felt as proud to work for a place that I have now since I work for a large multinational corporation. My question, is it possible that the role of multinational corporations, which emphasize diversity and inclusion, um, just all of the principles that are important to me, if Trump had been elected, my allegiance would be to that multinational corporation. And I'm just curious what you see as the future unfolding, not only of the role of these major multinational corporations. Tom, when I'm on a group call, across the world there is there's none of the bull, the baloney about you know vast logic or any of this silly divisive stuff in america so right. what do you see as the future of multinational corporations to increasingly emphasize their social responsibility piece and they're doing it increasingly well yeah um, large corporations are are you know really doing a good job and and in the forefront of you know diversity training and, and sensitivity and 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 trying to hire you know, diverse workforces and things like that. And that's, you know, generally speaking, a good thing. On the other hand, if and, and there's nothing wrong with companies doing business across national borders. The problem comes when they start behaving in a monopolistic fashion, when they when they are predatory, when they are destructive of competition. 
And you know that's really a whole different thing. Then, then you're getting into the realm of monopoly. But I'm not sure what your specifically what your question was, Carl, other than to praise the company you're working for. <laughs> well, they are a great company. But was somebody on your call and said democracy versus capitalism? And I really have been wrestling with that in my head. And I think I I don't know that. Well, democracy is a political system, and capitalism is an economic system. But if you pose that question to a Republican and let the let them pick a side, I don't see that being as problematic. They will always pick capitalism. Actually, yes, they will always pick capitalism. Right. And so I'm saying, is there a future where major multinational corporations step up and say, "Stop! I don't know what's going on in America, but this is insanity." Like we, if we go back to our offices. It's expected we'll be grown-ups, we'll be yeah. vaccinated, and we'll wear a mask. You see this with a lot of the European corporations, particularly the ones out of Northern Europe. Um, and, and part of it might be, and Germany, for example. You know, in Germany, there's, uh, they wrote into their constitution after World War II that any corporation with more than 1,000 employees, their board of directors has to be 50% made up of people who are worker, you know, work, who work in those factories, uh, who are union members. So the union basically has half of the board of directors of every major German corporation. And so those corporations tend to behave in a much more socially responsible fashion. Um, you, you see similar things, not exactly like that, but you see similar things in the Scandinavian countries. Um, so, you know, I don't know where your corporation is based, but, you know, if it's a multinational. Yeah, say what? Germany. Yeah, Germany. There you go. Uh, you know, so that has an awful lot to do with it. It, it kind of sets and defines the corporate culture. By the way, one other thing that I wanted to add is uh, two, two things that I just want to toss into the mix for our conversation here uh, and then back to your phone calls. Number one, I'm assuming most of you have probably seen on the news the pictures out of Tennessee, I believe it was, uh, maybe Kentucky, but I'm pretty sure it was Tennessee. I mix those two states up all the time in my head, where there was a bunch of guys who looked like neo-Nazis, basically screaming at school board members, we know who you are, we know where you live. Um, you know, guys with, with tattoos on their necks and shaved heads. And, and the media says parents are upset. I don't think these people are parents. I think they're Nazis. <laughs> you know, I think they're Trump Trumpies. And, uh, you know, and, and I think somebody in the media needs to look into this, number one. And number two, if we're going to vaccinate the world, there's a very easy way to do it without taxing the, the billionaires, although I'm all in favor of that. And that is to pass these so-called TRIPS waivers, which uh, every country in the world is in favor of except Germany. And Germany is holding it up because the U.N. operates on consensus. One country says no, that kills the whole thing. It's not a major the U.N. is not majority rule. It's consensus. And consensus means everybody in or nothing happens. And the TRIPS waivers would say to companies like AstraZeneca and, and Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson and Moderna, we're going to let factories, vaccine factories in third world countries manufacture your vaccine. And they are going to pay you a royalty for your vaccine. You're not only not going to lose money, you're going to make some money. It's just that that royalty is going to be a few cents per shot rather than $50 per shot or whatever it is. 
And every country in the world wants to go along with this, except Germany. And and uh, you know we've had several conversations with uh, the you know with uh, Lori uh, from from um, uh, Ralph Nader's uh, Citizen.org, Global Trade Watch, TradeWatch.org, I guess is the website. We just you know we need to do it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.